doctor seeing, okay, good, this, this has been ingested on schedule. And maybe in the case of some individuals, it's really helpful to be able to look over their shoulder and make sure that they're taking it. But what I wrote this book for really is to think through the implications of things like this. I mean, this happened after the book came out a couple months ago, but I mean, what are the implications if all our medication has this kind of digital quality and that the insurance company knows infinitely more about what I'm taking and putting in my body? I find as someone who's really has a kind of like investment in liberty and autonomy and independence, I find those things very threatening to not just my psychological well-being, but kind of the healthy functioning of a democracy. Yeah, and also just psychologically, you're swallowing a bug. Essentially, (laughs) you're being bugged from inside your own body. Yeah. I was surprised recently to read that smart speakers like Amazon's Echo and Google Home, that those are actually recording our voices even when we're not talking to them. Is that true? Yeah, it is. I was just having dinner last night with a cybersecurity expert who spent a lot of time trying to find a dumb TV. He didn't want a smart TV because the smart TVs are picking up all the audio in the house so that they can be controlled through voice commands and and for gaming purposes and other benign purposes. But this became a little bit of a scandal about two years ago when Samsung released a smart TV that people were very excited to buy and put in their home, but they didn't realize on page 44 or something in the fine print of the instructions that Samsung was recording everything that was within range of the microphone on the TV. That data was going back to Samsung and then to an unnamed third party, probably a marketing company, but who knows? I think a standard response to some of this is you don't really need to worry about surveillance if you have nothing to hide. I mean, the surveillance is there to catch people committing crimes. So how do you respond to that defense? Yeah, I hear that a lot when I talk to people. I have nothing to hide. And I think it really is one of the most naive and um, disingenuous phrases in the English language right now. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg puts tape over his webcam on his laptop. We all have something to hide. The journalist Glenn Greenwald has kind of thrown down the gauntlet and he said, if you have nothing to hide, why don't you send me, Glenn Greenwald, all of your passwords and all of your information and, you know, I'll go through all of your emails and see what I can see. And of course, nobody does that. We all have things we want to keep private, whether they're medical things, things in our romantic life. Privacy is important to people once they start to think about losing it and what it really means. So I think I have nothing to hide is often correlated with certain kinds of privilege. And I was sitting around a table with some freshmen at the University of Texas here in Austin. Four of them were telling me, well, I don't feel like I have anything to hide. I feel like surveillance is not that big a deal. The fifth person at the table, the only person of color, an African-American woman said, I hate it. Every time I go into a store, I feel like I'm being followed, I'm being tracked. So there was a kind of biographical element to surveillance consciousness and whether you feel disconcerted by this feeling and this reality often of someone looking over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. There has been, of course, a lot of discussion and still will be about the, the moral and legal issues around surveillance culture, but you are more interested in what you call the soft tissue damage that surveillance inflicts on us. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's a phrase that I use to try to describe something that goes beyond the kind of normal conversation we have with surveillance, which is about law, policy, technology, and those sorts of things that law school professors might write about very well. For me, I was interested in more of the kind of ethical 
the emotional qualities, the aesthetic qualities. One of the chapters in the book is about churches who are wiring up for maximum surveillance to prevent crime within sanctuaries. And that may be perfectly reasonable from a perspective that some of these churches have, but you look at a CCTV camera above an altar and it looks strange. Yeah, I went to Catholic school and it looks strange to me. <laughs> it's like, which one is the real authority in the room symbolically? Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. I was thinking more along the lines of church is a place people are supposed to go to be with their most private selves. I mean, think of the confessional, for instance. There's a reason it's private and secret and nobody's supposed to be able to see you. So to install security cameras all over a church just seems like an oxymoron. It does to me, too. But not everyone feels that way. And there's a big business in what I call sacred security. And I was heard.